The following talk was given at the Insight Meditation Center in Redwood City, California. Please visit our website at audiodharma.org. Hi. Welcome. Nice to see you here tonight. And uh, hello out there on YouTube. Thank you for being here as well. So, this last week I've been um, thinking more about noticing, continuing to notice this this, um, idea of receiving moments of gladness or joy, um, faith as they come up. And, um, you know, it's interesting. I was also noticing kind of where I don't connect, where I don't allow myself to take in the goodness. And even, you know, this it, we really do have to stay present to receive to receive the gladness and the joy that come up in our lives, even the simple ways. Yeah, um, so helpful to, you know, really, truly try and notice these moments and take them in. It's very easy to skip over the little the little gifts of of the day. This week, one of the things that I um, noticed was, you know, there there can be things that happen in life. Can you turn the volume down just a little bit? Um, that are kind of in that space of like this could be seen as good by the mind or it could be seen as difficult or not good by the mind Um, depending on how the mind engages with it so for example um, my I had said something to my daughter um, that was I was trying I was being joking in the moment, but it really hurt her feelings. And so she told me, didn't come out exactly directly that way, but she told me that you know what I had said had hurt her feelings. And there was a lot of gladness that she could tell me, right? That we could talk about what what happened, and I could apologize, and and there was this. Uh, appreciation so my daughter is 25 so the mature maturation of our relationship our ability to um to talk things through right and and not just have a lot of reactivity which we used to have a lot more reactivity with each other and uh you know we got to a really good place it was good it was a really good thing and I noticed that the, you know, I went to bed happy, and the next day I got up and I felt happy. But then I noticed, uh, starting to like, well, I wonder, I wonder if, you know, she's still okay. If she feels okay this morning when she wakes up, if she feels good about the talk. And so I sent her a text just to check in, and uh, I didn't hear back. And so, 
you know, I'm sort of a little later, halfway through the day, I'm like, oh, I didn't hear back. And I'm like, what does that mean, right? So I sent another little text, and I still didn't hear back. And so during the day, I could feel myself um, kind of having a hard time staying with the fact that we had this really good conversation, that the, there was this energy of worry or this, you know, um, yeah, worry that maybe there was more, more conflict to be managed. I could be really clear in my mind that um, I was really glad that we had the conversation. It was really healthy. I knew these things. And I could feel the energy pulling kind of, I'll call it right here, the sense of anxiety or tension in, in the core of my body. And I was thinking about sort of, um, are you guys familiar with the hindrances? You, the five hindrances? Jim, you know you know them, they're good friends of yours. <laughs> There's these five hindrances that um, are discussed by the Buddha as being pretty significant interferences in our meditation, and I'll say in our daily lives, in our lives in general. And so it's like, really like naming, okay, the hindrance of restlessness and worry, right? This is one of the five, restlessness and worry, just kind of keeps keeps coming in. And while I have this clarity, like a mental clarity of this is a good thing, there's this other energy that's kind of keeps stirring things up. And so, you know, as the day went on, I was like, okay, it's like, just pull over. <laughs> the metaphor of a, a driving or a car, you know, the mind, when it gets going, it feels like you're driving. And when you're restless and, and worried, it almost feels like um, you keep trying to find your way somewhere and getting lost, right? You're just like this relentless searching feeling. And so it's like the opposite of that was just pull over and stop and breathe in to the gratitude for the, the, the contact, the event, the sharing that happened between my daughter and myself. And uh, keeping myself there, right? So last week I was talking about savoring, right? That the brain needs our help to savor or take in the good stuff, uh, especially when we've got a hindrance going on in, in our minds. We need to help it settle and to help it take in and recognize and, and attend. It's like a fork, right? We can keep a fork in a road. We can get caught and pulled off, right, into the mental kind of hindrances or worries. Or we can, nope, just stay. Stay here. Just take in what's going on here. So this week I found gratitude was a um, really helpful way to help myself work to take an entrance to gladness, right? To a sense of gladness. And that gladness supported a light lightening of the heart, right? A lightening of the being. So... Um, we we pretty much all know, right, that 
our minds are, different things are happening. It's not always just peaceful and calm in here. And Sayadaw uh, Uteshaniya, do you guys know who he is? He's a, a, a monk, Burmese monk. And he, um, he has a lot of very pithy little direct sayings that have to do with mindfulness and daily life. And um, one of the things, his quotes is, it's inevitable to make some wrong turns in daily life, but you have to learn to profit from these experiences. Learn to profit from them, these wrong turns. Don't allow um, just the difficulties to keep running the show, but, but learn from them. So these uh, hindrances, and I'll, I'll list them in a moment, um, it's good to get to know them. It's good to recognize when, when they're present. One of the, yeah, one of the simplest things to do is kind of to do what the, in the suttas, some of the suttas, it, when the Buddha is um, facing some challenge, some difficulty, um, he will reference Mara. Mara is the representation, embodiment, like of a the temptress to all the, the the ill ill will and the desire and the aversion, and and that you know he'll say, Mara, I see you. <laughs> when those qualities are coming up in the moment. Sort of this turning toward, you know, I see you. I see that you're, you know, restlessness and worry. I see you. I see you. I see you here. It's a really important way to help us start to, to benefit, to learn from these visitors. So what are these five? Let me just list them for you. <laughs> um, typically, they're... Uh, listed in the following order. One is um, sensual desire, so a lot of desire for pleasantness, for objects, for, um, you know, feeling good. Um, The second one is ill will, so anger, hatred, um, wanting to strike out. Um, The third one is um, restlessness, no, sloth and torpor. Actually, there's a uh, yeah, sloth and torpor. So a sense of tiredness, uh, fatigue that can be both mind or body, or mind and body, or or one or the other. Um, and then there's restlessness and worry, which I was sort of alluding to. And the last one is um, doubt. And this is like a um, a doubt in the practice or a doubt in ourselves, right? That's kind of a um, not a, not a very helpful doubt. <laughs> um, so, um, uh, uh, Shyla Catherine says that um, just as an oyster transforms the irritating presence of a grain of sand into a pearl, meditators convert irritants into wisdom. So. This goes back to that statement by Sayadaw Tejaniya, you know, like, let's take advantage of it when these things come up in our lives. Learn from them. You know, let them become the pearl, the wisdom that guides us. There, um, 
these hindrances are, you know, energetic. They affect our body. Like, uh, just think about the experience of, of having a strong desire for something. What does that feel like in your body? There's, like, generally, just even just thinking about maybe even imagining something you know you really, really want. And as I'm even just imagining it, you see my body is leaning forward, right? Do you notice that? That tends to be what happens energetically with our bodies is we, we lean toward it. And there's a feeling of a pull. Now contrast that to ill will. When you really don't like someone, when you have aversion, just kind of bring that to mind. Something, some event, some person, some food. Just as you imagine that, what, how, what do you notice in your body? How's that energy feel different? You want to lean toward it? <laughs> Probably not. Right? There's more of a sitting back or a pull back in general. So I'm pointing to this because um, this is partly how we start to recognize that the forces are present um, of the hindrances. Is we can start to see it in our the the body will start to give us clues um, in terms of um, sloth and torpor. Well. When we feel really tired, there's a sinking, right? There's a sinking energy which can be felt literally in our bodies like just a sleepiness, heaviness. But sometimes um, the torpor in the mind can actually get really drifty and dreamy and quite pleasant. (laughs) Um, So it's also important to recognize because we can kind of be losing touch with the present moment in meditation and not really recognizing it because it feels it can feel somewhat pleasant so in that energetic state when we're you know feeling slothful there's usually a heaviness a sinking feeling right Um, with restlessness and worry (laughs) for me that uh, there's this kind of habitual pattern that feels a little like like this I'm doing you know like a settling okay 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 and then a stirring up and a settling and a stirring up there's a difficulty settling period (laughs) right with restlessness and worry and it can manifest you know very much in the body Um, and you can see it just in the mind just sort of the circular thinking that we tend to get involved in when we're caught. And then with doubt, um, what does that feel like when you have a lot of doubt? What do you notice in your body when you're really, really questioning, doubting if this is the right thing to be doing? For me, what comes up is there's this a, a, a way in which it feels, it's almost like there's a, a frozen feeling in a way of the energy, like a little, does that resonate for you? Um, any other words, feel free to speak up, you guys. <laughs> uh, 
um, to describe what it feels like for you when you, you're feeling a lot of doubt, uncertainty, stuckness comes to mind. Have anything else you want to say? What's that? Back and forth. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Like not the, that speaks to that energy of do I want to, do I not want to kind of like, is this right? Is this good? Is this bad? Kind of. Yeah. And some freezing. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so it's it's said that these hindrances weaken our wisdom. They're like a sieve because they drain the mind. <laughs> There's a lot of pretty strong language used to describe them. Um, obstructing, hindering, blocking, enveloping. I think it's um they're all it's really, really helpful to think about them in strong ways, but it's also like they're this is part of being human these are all experiences every human being has and uh, you know it's better to, I think to uh, to get to know them to understand them to sort of normalize them than to vilify them in my view Gil Fronstall talks about um, having a hindrance is like wandering through a maze staring at the ground where you're never looking up, (laughs) right? I like that. And he says, in contrast, being mindful is like standing above the maze to get an overview, right? Without eliminating a hindrance, mindfulness gives us a better perspective of what's happening. So when we notice, when we recognize, oh, look at me, I'm... I'm experiencing restlessness and worry. It is like having that above view of, oh, look what I'm doing. <laughs> I can see it now, right? Before you maybe are just feeling it and getting drawn and driven by it. But when we can start to um, have that awareness, recognition of the, its influence, uh, we have an um, opportunity to kind of get more free. So, you know, last week I was sort of emphasizing um, that, you know, when suffering happens in our lives, it is an opportunity to recognize it. There's an opportunity to notice the pain, the difficulty of it. And in doing so, we can do that thing like we see the maze, and when when we see the maze, we have freedom. We have this opportunity. And that can be, like, it can help us see that that suffering that was happening, that was going on, was actually an invitation, you know, to, to freedom. If we listen to it, if we listen to its call. And we, we recognize it. So... Um, Maybe I'll talk a little bit more about the the five hindrances. Just to, uh, there's some really cool similes in the suttas. Um, so with sensual pleasure, um, 
It's, it's compared to the experience of being in debt. So having a huge financial burden versus um, being free from it. Like the difference between like, oh, I don't owe anybody anything. <laughs> like that feeling of freedom. And then there's other similes that are uh, related to water. And this one is uh, with, with sensual pleasure. It's related to a colored pool of water. So here's the sutta from... Um, that I'll read. If there is water in a pot mixed with red, yellow, blue, or orange color, a person with normal facility of sight looking into it could not proper, properly recognize and see the image of their own face, right? The water is disc- discolored, might be pretty, but in the same way, when one's mind is possessed by sensual desire, overpowered by it, right? It's really driving us. One cannot properly see, you know, see the escape, see the clarity. It's not available. Um, and then when we, we don't kind of see and see the way out, we don't understand, right? We don't really understand what's happening. It's like being in that maze and looking down at the ground. Yeah. So I think I'll just kind of go through with the similes and then we can see where we want to go from there. But um, with uh, ill will, it's compared to illness or disease. A sense of, you know, feeling really sick, right? When we feel really angry and hostile, there's great sense of discomfort, disease in the body. There's a, often it's talked about as like wanting to strike out or push, push something away. And so with the simile of the water, and if there's a pot of water heated on the fire, the water is seething and boiling and a person with a normal faculty of sight looking into it cannot properly recognize or see the image of their own face, their own mind. They can't really see what's going on in there. So when we're possessed by ill will, uh, and we don't recognize it's there, we don't know our way through the maze, right? We don't know our way out. With sloth and torpor, it's um, equated with imprisonment or being locked in a cage. That feeling of not being able to move. And the simile for it is uh, if there's a pot of water covered with moss and water plants, this is, you know, it's, it's full of that sludge. So we really don't even see hardly the, any reflection at all, not even a distorted reflection. With restlessness and worry, I 
like to think about it as being very, very caught, like in a tide pool. And with the simile, it describes if there's a, a water in a pot stirred by the wind, agitated, swaying, or producing waves, that that's the way it distorts the, the surface of the water and makes it impossible again to see clearly, to see into our own minds. And for skeptical doubt, it's equated with the dangers of a desert journey. No water, no, no relief from the heat of the sun, no, no safe space to rest. We just can't. Maybe that goes back to what you were saying. Like, we just, there's no settling, right? And then with the water simile, it's described... Um, as water that's turbid, stirred up, and muddy um, in a dark place, right? Do you connect with those, those images? Do they resonate for you? Yeah? Yeah. Can you imagine which of these hindrances are the most often visitors in your lives? What would you say, if you feel comfortable saying, which ones are the most common for you? Sensual desire. Sensual desire, yeah. Yeah. Doubt. Yeah, yeah. What's that? I still didn't. Ill will. Ill will and ill will, and you say that so, yeah, like almost like embarrassed, right? Yeah. There's so it's just this is uh, so much just a part of our psychological makeup and our evolution, really. If I if I step back from all of these forces, I think, well, of course we need to have sensual desire, right? That's sort of what propagates. <laughs> humanity and you know and at this point we're living in such a capitalistic society right so much about sort of you know so much greed in our society right so that's just wow really fed and then the hostility and ill will right well we do need to uh, or we used to need to maybe we we shouldn't need to now um to, to have that sort of hostility with other beings. Um, but if, you know, at some point, uh, if you just watch animals, right, it's just, it's an instinct, you know, it's an instinct. Um, and uh, sloth and torpor, right, you know, it's sort of a natural response in some ways to if we are feeling um, overwhelmed or bored or disengaged, um, it's a natural thing. We're not connecting with our lives. We're not connecting with our experience often. A lot of times when people talk about being bored, I feel like they're leaving themselves in a way. They're leaving their experience. They're not interested in it. Um, and uh, with... Um, doubt again you know it's important actually 
it's important to have doubt, right? If we didn't have doubt, we might just believe a commercial and do whatever, (laughs) you know, we're told to do, right? The beautiful thing about working with doubt in the practice and the Buddhist teachings was so you know just this encouragement to to listen to what works to trust your experience not so much your ideas about what's supposed to be happening but just to trust your experience to really and then we need to commit ourselves to it too right if if we've got too much doubt it's hard to commit to a practice it's hard to commit to sitting Right, but but if we can really help ourselves commit to the practice, then we can stop afterwards and reflect on our actual experience and trust it. It's also without really helpful to talk to um, a teacher or read read the um, teachings or you know seek wisdom to help you. That can be very helpful. So, do you have any kind of any direction you'd like me to go with this talk? Do you want me to go back to this idea of you know joy and gladness, or would you like to hear more about uh, any one of the hindrances or tips for working on them in daily life? What would be helpful? And people in YouTube, feel free to write in the chat if there's anything for you as well. Great. Let me just uh, think about that. Yeah, um, take your time. When do you, when do you see these five hindrances as something as maybe like these are indications that I need to work on in my life? That maybe use them to your own benefits, or at the same time compared to just like I need to fix, uh, or maybe versus I need to fix my mindset so I'm not having these hindrances come up. Like, how do you compare and contrast? Contra- compare and contrast. Maybe, like, maybe the doubt you're having is beneficial for you. Yeah. But versus, like, maybe I shouldn't be having this doubt. I need to be confident in myself. Yeah. Same thing with desires and ill will. Because sometimes yeah. they are beneficial for you to have them. Yeah. Versus, I need to fix myself. I need to be more aware so that I don't have them. Yeah. How do you compare and contrast? That's a great question. I don't know how succinctly I can answer it, but it's a beautiful, beautiful, right on point question. And I would say number one is trust your experience. Study your experience. Notice the impact of the hindrances when they show up. And notice, one thing that can be really helpful is notice when they're absent. Right? So when we're not in the grip of them, it's hard to have full understanding of their impact or when they're useful or potentially, you know, more useful um, when you're under their spell because you can't see them clearly. And then what's really amazing is to have experiences of their absence because it is pretty blissful. It's pretty surprising how um, 
these things that we're so familiar with, how much they actually do block our joy and block our capacity to be really present. But this is not something to know intellectually. This is something to know directly through your experience. When I'm trying to um, recognize for myself, like I'm trying to think about, um, you know, desire, right? Kind of one of the other thing you can look at is what is it you're desiring? And you can use some discernment, right? Around, like, am I desiring peace and freedom and so I'm motivated to get to the Insight Meditation Center and sit on my cushion and there's very there can be very wholesome things that, that desire supports us in but if the desire isn't wholesome right, it's not leading toward a beneficial outcome that's a very clear indicator for us that we're the hindrance itself is keeping us connected to something that's not helpful for us in our practice. Does that make sense? Jim or Richard, do you want to take a stab at responding in any way? Add to what I've said? or Yeah, okay. So I'm going to look here at the chant. Or not the chant, the chat. Um, Graham says, I definitely find that I can be drawn into the hindrances much easier when I have not fully appreciated their absence. Yeah, I, I really agree with that, Graham. <laughs> Thank you. That when, when we're, it goes back to in that simile, really pointing out to, we can't see clearly when the mind is under the influence of the hindrance. We, we're in the maze looking at the floor. We, we aren't seeing the conditions. So the evaluation of what is useful and not useful uh, is much more clearly seen when we're free from it. And it is helpful to notice those moments of freedom. What, what is that like to have a moment free from wanting things, wanting things? Right, or in the case of ill will, maybe not wanting things, right? Or what is it like when you don't feel doubt? When you feel confident, right? What's it like to have a moment of contentment, free of that like wanting? Like, oh, it's just everything's okay. What does that feel like? It's, it's so much more peaceful, really. Yeah. Yeah. Um, to mentioning how maybe let's focus on what the absence of these hindrances are like. Yeah. So are there some exercises that we can do? Is it maybe just so more like reflection every day, writing something? And how can mindfulness help us? Because a lot of times yeah. when we're meditating, these hindrances are coming up. Yeah. So Absolutely. what can we do to actively work on, and maybe in terms of exercises or mindfulness, that yeah. will help us like avoid these hindrances and secondly, be more aware of the absence of them at the same time? Great, great question. Yeah. 
Can I add something? Yeah, please. It's sort of related, but um, so I think what Tanya's pointing to with the, you know, practicing with hindrances is really understanding, first of all, being cognizant or recognizing hindrance. So that's a really great reflection. Like you're going through the day, if you're completely absorbed in a story in your mind about a conversation that you had earlier in the day and it didn't go the way you would like to it had gone or all the stuff that goes on the mental activity you recognize at that moment oh this is restlessness and worry this is some clinging to wanting a different this is greed this is wanting this is aversion if you're really angry about it so yeah so seeing that is working with the hindrance. And so over time, if you continually bring your mindfulness to that process, eventually you'll notice, oh, I don't, I'm not experiencing that hindrance in a sense. You may even be kind of looking around for it, you know. I don't know if that makes sense. Yeah, work that muscle is a great way to put it. Um, so I'll just go through a list of things I wrote and I'll keep and before I actually uh, read them I'll say there uh, there have been many times I've taught and other people have taught a five week series on the five hindrances here and so those recordings are all on audio dharma and if you go to the website the IMC website you can actually find the handouts. And the handouts have um, exer- suggestions, tips for practicing for the week. Really fabulous ones. So, uh, under, documents. under documents on the... Yeah, and you can even, if you, you know, have trouble, you can search. Um, there's a little search feature, five hindrances, and a lot of stuff will come up. Um, so that's that's written stuff, and then there's also the recorded stuff. So, so I want to share that resource. And then Gil wrote a book um, that's on Amazon, and unhindered. It's called unhindered, and he has a tremendous number of reflection practices in there. Just really a lot of lovely material. Yeah, and in fact, most of the handouts and stuff are, you know, evolved into this book. So the book is just a great, it's a few bucks on Amazon. Yeah. So um, one of the things I think about is uh, just going back to this idea of we, you know, wanting to have moments of gladness, you know, enjoy in our lives it's helpful to actually believe that we deserve to have these experiences. Just starting with this, like, it's natural and it's a good thing and it's good for me and I, I believe I, you know, I'm deserving and I want to have moments of ease. I think if we orient our mind toward this idea that this is natural and beautiful and a good thing, it helps us to recognize that when it happens. And this, again, is kind of um, helping 
reorient the mind away from just the negative, right? The, the mind has a negativity bias, a threat bias. And so by creating this other thing that we value, we help the mind orient toward it. It's helpful to know and recognize the absence of the hindrances because then we also get to consciously, mindfully experience the joy that arises when we're free from them. And the more we're aware with that and allowing that, the more it strengthens um, our kind of the value that we can place on them, on that freedom. Um, It is, the more quickly we recognize them, the better. Not in some sort of evil way. (laughs) But, you know, if the water's not totally boiling yet, it's easier to deal with the pot, right, than it is if it's been roiling for a long time the energy builds with all of these hindrances so you know being like yeah i want to notice i want to notice what's happening in my body i want to notice what's on in my mind it's not that it's bad news it's like no it's really good to start to get to know these things it's good to notice which ones are your frequent visitors get to know them maybe name them Give them a color, you know, shape, size, help those those kinds of things all help help us sort of, oh, that's familiar. That's oh yeah, that's what that is, right? Um, it's also helpful to notice um, not just the the pleasantness of their absence, but the way that they negatively impact you. They end up, so maybe it's not the beginning of the little desire that's a problem, but it, that it it leads to then overspending or over, you know, um, gaming or whatever it is for us that then leaves us exhausted or depleted and we're not doing the other things that we wanted to do with our time or spending time with the people we wanted to spend time with. So helping us consciously connect Like, if I go ahead with the greed or go ahead with this hating energy, initially there might be some thoughts of pleasure around this or satisfaction. But then it feels like this, and then this happens, and then this happens, and I'm more likely to do this, and then I'm more likely to do that. So uh, kind of playing the tape out, letting, helping your mind think all the way through. If we just get caught in these energies where they're going to lead potentially Um, and what that does is grows your wisdom right it helps you not just get enamored in the moment it's good to make changes in your daily life to help protect yourself from the things that you know trigger the hindrances right for you what are the things that tend to trigger your hindrances um media, right, can be a a big trigger. Um, Shopping or overeating and these various things that we can do that we uh, indulge in can can kind of be food for the hindrances, can support their arising. 
The other thing that really helps is um, to actively cultivate um, alternative mind states like contentment, like really practicing with the idea that it's good enough. I don't have to make it go away. I don't have to make it better. It's good enough. Literally just really inviting yourself to just sort of notice the niggling and go, you know what? It's good enough. It's okay. Um, it's also, you know, yeah, I think I, the Brahma Viharas in general, so that's loving kindness practice. Are you familiar with that? Yeah, so it's another practice and it's another talk and it's 859, but there are other qualities that are considered um, very noble and um, sort of a. What is the word? I'm not thinking of the word, but heavenly almost, right? And they're feeling and generating a loving kindness, their compassion, their sympathetic joy, and its equanimity. Those are the four Brahma Paharas. So there's practices that support arousing those kinds of mind states. And those are all protected mind states where we're pretty much free from the hindrances when we're fully engaged. So there it is. Thank you so much for your comments and questions. It helped help me find some energy to respond to you and focus. So I appreciate it. Yeah. Thank you both. You guys. Yep. And everybody out there, have a good night. And uh, may you be free from the hindrances. And uh, may it be a benefit to you and everyone in your life. Thank you.